name is Asha Tharayal. And my name is Jeffrey Lowe, and we are Pediatric Emergency Medicine Fellows at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. This podcast is edited by Ken Yin and Joanne Nesiyama, both PIM faculty at UT Southwestern. The focus of this chapter of the PIM QBook Reviews is a child abuse and maltreatment. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that this podcast is a review of the high-yield points of the ABP PIM boards and does not reflect the views of UT Southwestern or Children's Health. The boards tend to focus on identification of child abuse and complications more than anything. We will go over each of these questions and we'll try to add at least one pearl with each question. So let's begin. Question number one. A four-month-old infant presents to the ED in full arrest with CPR in progress. The mother's boyfriend, who was watching the baby, said he found him unresponsive in the crib. His pupils are dilated and you note extensive retinal hemorrhages. Which statements best describes the cause of the retinal hemorrhages found in this patient? A. They were caused by CPR. B. They were due to shaken baby syndrome or TBI. They were due to birth trauma. D, their normal physical findings at this age. E, they are associated with sudden infant death syndrome. As mentioned earlier, most child abuse-based questions focus on identification and complications. Let's talk about retinal hemorrhages. Retinal hemorrhages are often associated with shaken baby syndrome, but can also present in other instances including CPR and birth trauma. With regards to CPR and birth trauma, they usually appear in the posterior pole and are very few in number. A systematic review of newborn retinal hemorrhages report that birth-related retinal hemorrhages are common bilaterally and rarely persist past six weeks. With shaken baby syndrome, however, they are extensive, usually in multiple layers, and often extend out to the periphery. They have not been associated with SIDS or seizures. In this question vignette, given the extent of the retinal hemorrhages and the fishy story, shaken baby syndrome or TBI should be highest on the differential, making B the best answer choice. Great. Let's go to the next question. Which of the following clinical scenarios is the most concerning for being an abusive injury? Before going through the answer choices for this question, let's go through the basics of identifying a child abuse victim. The first question you should ask yourself is, does this history make sense, or is this child capable of causing this injury? The next question that needs to be answered is, does this history match the injury, or can the mechanism result in this injury? These questions, once answered separately, then the gut intuition comes into play. Now let's go through the answer choices. Back to the question choices. A. A nine-year-old who fell off his bike and has both bones forearm fractures, does this history make sense? Does this history make sense? Yes, it does. Does the mechanism fit the injury? Yes, it does. Unfortunately, this is likely a foosh injury or a fall on outstretched hand injury. The next choice, an eight-month-old who fell from her mother's arms onto concrete and has a non-depressed linear skull fracture. This history and mechanism both match. Any fall greater than four feet onto a hard surface can result in skull fractures. The next choice, a three-year-old toddler who fell running across a wet kitchen floor and has a spiral fracture of his femur. A toddler that is just getting used to walking trips, falls, and breaks his femur. Yes, this makes sense. If this was a non-mobile child, then suspicion would be higher. 
or D, a three-month infant with bronchiolitis and has multiple posterior rib fractures seen on chest x-ray. Bronchiolitis should not cause rib fractures, particularly rib fractures of various stages of healing and posterior rib fractures. This is suspicious. And E, a four-year-old who fell off a playground slide and has a supracondylar fracture of her humerus. The mechanism and history in this case matches the injury, which makes the answer choice for this question to be D, a three-month-old infant with bronchiolitis and has multiple posterior root fractures seen on chest x-ray. Great. Let's go to the next question. A mother brings in her 14-year-old daughter to the ED after she discloses she is having sex with her 23-year-old teacher. The daughter reports that the sexual affair has been going on for three months and their last encounter was last night. She also denies any physical complaints at this time. Which of the following is the most complete and appropriate management for this patient? A. Counsel the patient on sex, safe sexual practices. B. Call for a psychiatric consult in the ED so that she can develop more appropriate relationships with boys closer to her age. C. Notify social services, perform a rape kit, and provide prophylaxis against sexually transmitted diseases and pregnancy. D. Inform her mother that, since this is consensual, no intervention is required at this time. Or E. Perform a pelvic exam, treat any STDs found on examination, and counsel her on sec safe sexual practices. For this question, we need to define what statutory rape is. Statutory rape is defined as sexual relations that take place between an individual that is not old enough or competent legally to give consent and one who is legally able to give consent. Given this patient's age, being a minor, this patient is a victim of statutory rape. Given the most recent assault occurred within 72 hours, performing a rape kit and consulting social services is the most appropriate response. Once social services is consulted, Child Protective Services should also be notified. Are we ready for the next question? I think so. All right. Police and EMS arrive at the ED with an unconscious four-year-old child who has been beaten and burned. All of the following have been identified as demographic factors associated with child abuse except A. The child's mother is unmarried. B. The child was born premature. C. The child is male. D. The child has a disability. Or E. The child's mother smokes. So what are the risk factors for child physical abuse? Risk factors for child physical abuse include prematurity, disability, a single parent, unemployment, poverty, more than two children in the family, maternal smoking, and psych psychiatric illness. The answer choice C in this question, male, is, does not make them more prone to have child physical abuse. Asha, it looks like there's more than one correct answer on that question. Actually, it's not more than one correct answer, Jeff. It's because the question is an accept question. The question is asking, what are the risk factors except in, in the answer choices? 
So the mother child, the mother's child being unmarried, the child being born premature, the child having a disability, and the child's mom um, smoking are all risk factors making the answer choice the child is a male. C. Uh, I see. I gotcha. Let's do the next question. A seven-year-old prepubescent child is brought to the ED by her mother. The child is disclosed that her mother's friend has been touching her private parts, but the child will not elaborate on any further details. The last time it happened was this morning, which is the most complete and appropriate management for this child. A, notify social services and have the patient follow up with her primary care physician for an examination and further testing. B, perform a complete pelvic examination and complete a rape kit, then provide prophylaxis for sexually transmitted infections regardless of physical findings. Or C, noti notify social services, examine the patient in the frog leg and knee to chest positions, perform a rape kit as clinically indicated, treat only visible STDs, and have the child return in two weeks for further STD testing. D, examine the patient in the frog leg and knee to chest positions, perform a rape kit, provide prophylaxis against STDs, regardless of physical findings, and notify social services only if significant findings are found on physical examination. Or E, notify social services, then perform a complete pelvic examination and complete a rape kit regardless of physical findings. Victims of sexual abuse present with unique challenges. No visible evidence is often found on physical examination, and a lot of the determination is based off of forensic interviewing. As emergency medicine physicians approaching prepubescent victims of sexual abuse, the victim's safety is the first priority. Examining them in the frog leg position and performing rape kits only if evidence and historical factors point to it. Prophylaxis against STDs should also be based on evidence at hand, as prepubescent victims have a very low risk of acquiring STDs. Re-examining and culturing patients at a two-week follow-up is recommended. This makes the answer choice C, notify social services, examine the patient in the frog-legged and knee-to-chest positions, perform a rape kit as clinically indicated, treat only visible STDs, and have the child return in two weeks for STD testing. Great. Let's go to the next question. A primary care physician refers a three-year-old boy to the emergency department for evaluation of a 25-minute convulsion occurring at home and witnessed by his mother. The pediatrician further states that she has been evaluating the child for the past two years for a variety of medical complaints in which extensive investigative studies have failed to reveal any pathology. Upon arrival to the ED, the child is well appearing, has a normal physical examination, and with regards to your suspected diagnosis, all of the following statements are true except a. The perpetrator is more often the mother than the father. B. More than one child in the family may be a victim, but rarely at the same time. C. Treatment of the perpetrator is very successful. D. Boys are girls. A 
primary care physician refers a three-year-old boy to the emergency department for evaluation of a 25-minute convulsion occurring at home and witnessed by his mother. The pediatrician further states that she has been evaluating the child for the past two years for a variety of medical complaints in which extensive investigation has failed to reveal any pathology. Upon arrival to the ED, the child is well appearing and has a normal physical examination. With regards to your suspected diagnosis, all of the following statements are true except A. The perpetrator is more often the mother than the father. B. More than one child in the family may be a victim, but rarely at the same time. C. Treatment of the perpetrator is very successful. D. Boys and girls are victimized equally. Or E. Most victims are usually infants and toddlers. This question alludes to a parent who suffers from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Usually these parents are either likable or very pushy. Parents fabricate illnesses or induce illnesses in their child. They usually have a medical background and do not respond well to therapy. They're often dismissive of the physician's concerns about their medical issue. Since this is an accept question, the answer choice is it must see treatment of the perpetrator is very successful. Thanks, Jeff. Great. Let's go to the next question. Which of the following children with burn injuries is most likely a victim of child abuse? A, a four-year-old with second-degree burns to his shoulder and upper chest after pulling a cup of hot coffee off the counter. B, a 16-year-old with burns to the dorsum of her hand after cooking fried chicken on the stove in her kitchen. C, an 18-month-old with a blister to the palm of her hand after touching a hot iron. Or D, an 11-month-old with a donut-shaped second-degree burn isolated to her buttocks after climbing into the bathtub. Or E, a 9-year-old with first and second-degree burns to her face after taking soup out of the microwave. Let's go back to the basics. Does the mechanism fit the injury, and does the history support the evidence? An 18-month-old touching an iron, a 9-year-old burning themselves after spilling soup, a 4-year-old burning themselves with coffee, and a 16-year-old getting burned on the hand from the stove are all very plausible situations. The 11-month-old, on the other hand, has an injury which is most consistent with a coercion burn. The outer ring was burned while the center of the buttock, which was pressed against the cooler surface of the tub floor, was spared. This makes the answer choice D, an 11-month-old with donut-shaped second-degree burns isolated to her buttocks after climbing into the bathtub. Great explanation, Asha. Let's do the next question. A nine-year-old is brought directly from his school to the emergency department, accompanied only by a police officer and a CPS worker. After his teacher submitted a report concerning loop marks on the child, which of the following is the most complete and appropriate management for the ED physician? A, interview and examine the child, obtain photographs of the injuries, and perform a skeletal survey and head CT regardless of physical findings. B, interview and examine the child, obtain photographs of the injuries, perform a one scan and an MRI of the head regardless of the physical findings. C, interview and examine the child, obtain photographs of the injuries, 
no further testing until the legal guardian can provide consent for treatment. D. Refuse to interview or examine the child until the legal, legal guardian can provide consent for treatment. Or E. Interview and examine the child, obtain photographs, and perform only those investigative studies that are clinically indicated. Skeletal surveys should be obtained in all children that are less than two years old with injuries suspicious for physical abuse to screen for occult fractures. They can be considered in patients that are two to three years old with severe abusive injuries to screen for occult fractures as well. In high-risk cases, the recommendation is to repeat the survey in two weeks. In this question, the child is over two years of age and hence an empiric skeletal survey is not warranted. The answer choice is E, interview and examine the child, obtain photographs, and perform only those investigative studies that are clinically indicated. Parental presence or permission to interview this child is not needed given that this is a child abuse suspicion. Great, let's do the next question. A six-month-old is brought to the emergency department for evaluation of a seizure. The mother states that the child sustained a five-minute clonic-tonic convulsion that resolved prior to the arrival of EMS. There is no reported history of preceding illness or trauma. Upon examination, you find the baby to be irritable but hemodynamically stable. You obtain a head CT that reveals a parietal skull fracture and a small subdural hematoma, but has no midline shift or edema. After consultation with neurosurgery, anticonvulsant therapy is initiated and in inpatient observation is arranged. In addition to obtaining coagulation studies, PT and PTT, all of the following are indicated at this time except A. Skeletal survey B. CBC C. Complete metabolic panel D. Ophthalmology evaluation within 24 hours or E. Emergent MRI of the brain In this situation, trauma labs including a CMP or a complete metabolic panel and a CBC should be obtained in patients suspected with child abuse to rule out other injuries and to obtain baseline numbers. These labs also help rule out other causes for the seizure activity. If the patient is stable, a skeletal survey should be obtained as soon as possible. Ophthalmology examination can be delayed for the following day. Given the CT results, there is no need for an emergent MRI in this patient, making that the answer choice since this is also an accept question. Great, let's move on. The next question, a patient, the patient in the previous question is found to have a mildly prolonged PT and PTT. Of the following choices, which is the most likely cause of the prolonged coagulation studies? A, the infant has hemophilia A. B, the infant has vitamin K deficiency. C, it is a lab error. D, it is a result of a traumatic brain injury, or E, it is normal for age. Prolongation of PT and PTT in infants with sustained TBI is a normal phenomenon. When neural tissue is injured, it releases thromboplastin as well as other substances which can cause prolonged coagulation. It resolves spontaneously. Taking a thorough family history and past medical history will help exclude things like vitamin K deficiency and hemophilia A. 
Vitamin K deficiency can cause subdural hemorrhages in children that are four to eight weeks old. Great. The next question, a five-year-old is brought to the emergency department directly from his preschool for evaluation of fever and a rash. You find the child to be delirious with a temperature of 40 degrees Celsius and scattered purpura. The patient's mother, who does not believe in Western medicine, arrives to the ED. She refuses to consent for care and insists on bringing the child home. You suspect meningococcemia and want to initiate life-saving care. Which of the following is the most appropriate management of this patient? A, discharge the child home but insist that the mother sign AMA documentation. B, discharge the child to the care of his mother but file a report with social services. C, take the child to protective custody and begin resuscitation without delay. D, withhold therapy until social services arrives to provide protective custody in the ED or E, withhold therapy until hospital risk management grants you permission to treat. In this scenario, any delay in delivering the appropriate care to this child will likely result in significant imminent harm to the child. As such, the child should be placed in protective custody and should be cared for. You must document that you have taken the child into protective custody and notify CPS and social services. Police officers and physicians are capable of placing children in protective custody. The answer choice is C, take the child into protective custody and begin resuscitation without delay. With that last question, we will conclude the short and sweet review. Hopefully this helps review some of the high yield content of this topic. Good luck with the rest of studying.